0: Hello, once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, January 21st edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from Brad We'll talk some NFL here with the NFC and the AFC championship games, talk a little bit of college basketball with Brad as well, as he's now very, very deep in handicapping and betting that sport as well. Over at ATS.io, great stuff going on. We got previews of both games coming up this weekend. We'll have some thoughts on UFC 257 here today. Although there is a very good UFC 257 promotion over at DraftKings Sportsbook. New users can sign up, make a deposit of at least five bucks. Do it through ATS.io, and you'll also get our exclusive sign-up bonus for DraftKings Sportsbook. But when you do... A $1 bet on a first-round knockout for Conor McGregor on Saturday night worth $257. So if you get that first-round knockout as a new user and a first-time depositor over at DraftKings, you'll get a very, very big boosted odds prize amount with Conor McGregor there in that main event of UFC 257. You can read about that more over at ATS.io as well as the bet $1, win $100 in free bets promotion over at BetMGM Sportsbook. First time depositors over there. If you get a touchdown in either one of these games here on Sunday, and I'm sure that's going to happen, you bet $1 on the money line, win $100 in free bets when that first touchdown is scored. Once again, head over to ATS.io and read up about those two fine sportsbook promotions. Lastly, download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store, or in the apple store full article integration from the website it's a bet tracker it's an odd screen you got a statistical database at your disposal there to do some more research and some more handicapping on the games and like i said full article integration from the website so you can read our thoughts our picks and previews from our excellent writing staff download the ats app today with that we bring on professional better and handicapper brad powers from bradpowerssports.com and Brad, how's it going today, man?
1: It's going well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time, as always, here on today's show. And uh, one thing that was kind of a hallmark for us, even after the college football season finished, when we were doing this on Bang the Book Radio, we made sure to talk a little bit of college football basically on every show, whether we just briefly touched on it or talked about some of the developments that are going on. And there has been some stuff in the news cycle. Coaches are building out their coaching staffs. Tennessee, obviously, moving on from Jeremy Pruitt now having to worry about some recruiting violations and all of that. Are you doing anything with college football right now? Just kind of keeping up with the news or is it off to the side for you?
1: Uh, just keeping up with the news. Uh, I started filling out schedules. I think the Big Ten and the Independents are the only ones that are completely set. I mean, opponents are known for a lot of uh, uh, conferences, but not necessarily you know when the games are going to be played. So filling that out, so some – Early season, real early, early, you know, season win total projections, you know, I've done for about 20, 25 teams, but other than that, not, not too much. I'll wait till after the, the, the recruiting classes are, are finalized here in a couple of weeks. And then I start really, you know, I looked at the early entries as far as the, you know, who, who lost more than what they probably expected as far as the early entries to the NFL draft, like a team like USC lost quite a bit uh, the, at Stanford lost, you know, unexpectedly their quarterback kind of things like that. I've kept up on, but, uh, it, it won't become, you know, more of a, a weekly thing until, you know, February and March for me, but uh, certainly, I mean, obviously Tennessee's the, this story this week, uh, I mean, just a, an absolute dumpster fire. And, you know, the thing that, that kind of gets to me is, that, I mean, the, how ridiculously, uh, you know, the, the the expectations of the fan base are, I mean, they, they, they act like they're Alabama and uh, the reality is Tennessee isn't.
0: I got to say, man, it looks, look, I mean, we know that recruiting violations happen all the time. It's just a matter of if you get caught or not, but man, if, if you're going to do wrong things, if you're going to put yourself and your program at risk, man, at least be better at football. I mean, damn, you know, getting caught <laughs> yeah. and not being any good. I mean, that's just, that's doubly bad.
1: Yeah, it's not. I mean, handing out McDonald's bags of, of cash is the you know at least the <laughs> the, the theory, or, or or maybe not even the theory. Maybe that's yeah. I don't know how you make that up. So I mean, I I don't get it because I mean, it's not like they signed a bunch of you know, it's not like Old Miss under under Hugh Freeze signing like number two, number three recruiting classes. I mean, out of nowhere, that you you kind of knew something was going on. It's not like Tennessee has signed anything like that, and it's not like. You know, the, you know, comparing it to Old Miss, yeah, it's not like Tennessee was playing in the Sugar Bowl either. I mean, three and seven this last year. So, I mean, they got the worst of both worlds. I mean, they cheated and they still couldn't win. And now it's late in the process. I think if I'm, you know, I, they think it's a good job. I don't. I think it's mediocre. If I had stack rank it in the SEC, I'd probably rank it seventh. So, I mean, it's a, a middle of the line SEC job. And if I'm guys like Billy Napier or Jamie Chadwell. I mean, I'd have to think really, really long and hard whether I'm going to jump for the Tennessee job, even though it's, uh, you know, going from the Sun Belt to the SEC.
0: Yeah, and it's also a tough thing, too, because, you know, you're in the weaker side, usually, of the SEC, but you've still got to contend with Florida and Georgia, and I don't know, I'm pretty optimistic about South Carolina with the Shane Beamer hire, so, you know, not exactly a great landing place right now uh, to be the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, but, We go from one team in orange to another team that I I guess wears some sort of a shade of orange here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they take on the Green Bay Packers. Packers, three or three and a half out there in the market. The threes are heavily juiced in the minus 120s. The three and a halves, even money, reduced juice, all that kind of thing. Total of 51 primarily across the market here for the NFC Championship game. Brad, what's sort of your starting point here in terms of side and total?
1: Starting point for me, you know, the total is kind of tough for me. Maybe a very slight lean under, and we're talking Totino's Pizza type of bet there. My preference and what I did bet uh, a little bit bigger, I'm going to lay the three, even though it's heavily juiced with Green Bay. And you know, I I guess I I should feel stronger in it. Uh, There's a little bit of trepidation because I just lined up pretty big against Tampa Bay last week and lost. But, uh, I mean, it's not me, you know, trying to – to, to you know sugarcoat and, and try to force you know my thinking to be right. I think New Orleans at least through the first 40 minutes of the game was the right side and then what happens? three turnovers on top of the key turnover they already had earlier in the game and uh, I just you know when I look at it I, I if I had to make the bet, I'd probably make it again although I'm very surprised New Orleans got bet off of three down to two and a half that was my biggest uh, you know concern on how, You know, I just didn't get the best of the number like I should have. I mean, that that would have been my biggest thing there. But, I mean, I just chalked it up as turnovers. I mean, I know I say this a lot, but I don't think people realize, you know, turnovers and how important they are in the point spread. And I just looked it up. I mean, since 1989, teams that are plus four in turnovers, exactly plus four, not plus four more, exactly plus four in turnovers, they cover 92.5% of the time, 92.5%. I mean, you're just not going to win when you're minus four in turnovers back in New Orleans. Getting to this game, I think Green Bay obviously has got a better quarterback, a healthier quarterback, playing, you know, the the best he's had ever. I mean, that's a big difference and a big step up from Drew Brees to Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay's defense is playing well, although, you know, I'd still probably lean more with the Saints having a better defense. But, you know, rushing game, you know, getting the ball to Adams at the wideout, playing at home. Tampa Bay playing five game five road games in six weeks I I just I'm gonna lay the three Adam you know and and I think you have to look at it too in the sense that
0: I mean look there were so many outliers in play with that Buccaneers Saints game last week not even just the minus four and turnover margin and I can't imagine that's happened a whole lot in the Drew Brees era I'm sure that's something that's very very rare maybe a minus three every now and then minus four or higher that's something that doesn't really happen and Michael Thomas got shut out. I mean, there's no way in hell you handicapped that game expecting Michael Thomas not to have a single catch, let alone the turnover margin. So there's a significant outlier for the New Orleans Saints that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers benefited from. And the, the irony of all ironies here going into this NFC Championship game, as we've talked about a few different times this week, is that in the first Tampa Bay-Green Bay game, Aaron Rodgers was awful, 16 of 35, for like 160 yards, I think it was. Threw a pick six, had another pick return to the two yard line. Another example of Tampa uh-huh. Bay benefiting from a significant outlier. And maybe it happens again. And, and maybe, you know, they have a great offensive performance here and they cover the spread and maybe they win the game outright. But to me, coming off of an outlier with an outlier as a reference point earlier on in the year. I just look at Green Bay, and I think, okay, well, you know, things can't be as bad as they were in the first game and certainly won't be as bad as they were for the Saints
1: last week. I looked it up. First time the Saints were minus four in turnovers. I didn't look four or more, but minus four exactly uh, in six years. Sounds yep. So, yeah, it it doesn't happen very often. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, another, because, you know, when I was writing up the game and – I do my write up for my newsletter and I try to, I try to make it like a little bit of a story. And I talked about last week, the turnovers. And then because you're such a good broadcaster, naturally you talk about these two teams that have already played and turnovers obviously played a major point in that one. And you, you you know, obviously outlier when Rogers throws two of his five interceptions of the entire season in literally a matter of minutes I mean, do you, is Tampa Bay a really bad matchup for Green Bay? I don't know. We're we're going to find that out, obviously, this weekend because, I mean, if Tampa Bay, you know, beats me and wins the game outright, then, then I'm going to chalk it up, hey, you know, there, there's something, something in football that I just don't understand as far as Tampa Bay being a really bad matchup for the Packers, but Again, I'll chalk it up with turnovers. There likely not to replicate it itself. I remember watching that game. I mean, after those two turnovers happened, I mean, Green Bay kind of waved the white flag uh, on the game. I mean, it was, it was over. They weren't going to win. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that was kind of my second, you know, point of emphasis, a couple of outliers. And you know me, I like betting. You know, whether they're on outliers or against them, I'm always looking for that because usually outliers represent overreaction in the marketplace.
0: And and when we think back to that game, that was all the way back in week six. But one of the things that we talked about a lot over the course of the regular season on this show, and and it was a great point that Brian Blessing brought up on Tuesday uh, here on ATS Radio, was that Green Bay was off of a buy. You know, they had played four games. They had week five off. First of all, you don't want an early season buy. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst spots to be in because guys are still for the most part, pretty healthy. You're getting into rhythm. Of course, you didn't have a preseason this year. So, you know, by week five or so, you feel like you're kind of starting to hit your stride a little bit and then you can't practice. You can't do anything because you're so worried about all these COVID protocols and all of that. I don't think it's all that surprising that green Bay's worst performance of the season came off of their bye week. It's just with the way that things kind of set up this year with how the NFL changed that about no practice and all that, you know, within the last couple, within the last few years, I don't think that's surprising. And I think to me, what's more telling is that Green Bay led that game 10-0 before the pick six and the near pick six. So they played actually a good first quarter coming out of the bye. And then, you know, your leader, your Hall of Fame quarterback made two egregious mistakes. The game flipped. It was 14-10 Tampa Bay at that point. And as you said, Green Bay just never really got back into stride, never really got back into rhythm in that one. I don't think that data point matters here at all. And the interesting thing about it, and we have talked about this the last couple weeks on the show, it's mattered a ton from a DVOA standpoint, from a metric standpoint, that Tampa Bay shut down, quote-unquote, such a great offensive team. I think that that singular game, inflated the perception of the Tampa Bay defense quite a bit. And I think now, you know, we may see in, in sort of a truer sense, you know, the difference between these two teams.
1: I mean, obviously it got Green Bay off their game plan. They all oh, Tampa Bay shut down Green Bay's run game. Well, of course you're not going to, you know, even attempt to run the football after you, you, you get down after a bunch of turnovers. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it did. Cause I mean, you, you look at certainly Tampa Bay's defensive performances, you know, since then, Uh, you know, left a lot to be desired. I mean, they have given up since that game at least 20 points, actually at least 23 points uh, in a majority of their games down the stretch, with the exception being off a bye against Minnesota and against an abysmal Detroit team that that, uh, obviously, you know, didn't have Stafford there who got hurt in the game. So, yeah, I think Tampa Bay's defensive numbers are a little overrated, uh, the, the perception of that. And, you know, I know Green Bay hasn't played a murderer's row down the stretch but they played a little bit tougher schedule in Tampa Bay. I'm just, I'm looking at, at, you know, after Tampa Bay's bye week when they had the reset after losing a pair of home games against the, the Rams and the chiefs, I mean, outside of last week, who in the hell have they beat? I mean, Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta, again, uh, you know, a seven and nine playoff team, in, 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 you know, in Washington, I just, I'm not as impressed as everybody else making it out to be that Tampa Bay is, you know, the, you know, turn the corner and they're clearly the best team in the NFL. I just don't see it.
0: Well, and, and Minnesota left 10 points on the field in the kicking game, yep. in that game against Tampa. Bay. Atlanta
1: blew another lead. What's new for Atlanta? Uh, Detroit, obviously that was a dominant performance, but again, they didn't have a quarterback, didn't have a head coach. Atlanta, I, you know, that, that was a good win for Tampa Bay there. Washington, you know, didn't have their quarterback. And then last week, again, plus four turnovers. So I'm just going through the games right now. I, I just, they're overrated. I mean, maybe I'm, you know, going to get my teeth kicked in like I have all year in the NFL, but you know, I'm not going to have regrets, but laying a three here with green Bay.
0: No, I agree. I, I totally agree with you. And I, and I think three, even at the extra juice is a good number, three and a half, you know, plus money, even money. If you've yep. got to take that now, I, I think that's fine too. I just think green Bay is, is the better team here. And I think a lot of circumstances have come together to make Tampa Bay look a little bit better than they are. So I think there's definitely a lot of good thoughts on that one. And again, if you don't like the three or you don't like the 51, and now we're seeing 51 and a halfs pop at some of the sharper global markets, you know, derivatives, always an option here. Live betting, always an option. You know, a lot of different ways to attack this. The player props market, you know, there's a lot more of that stuff now with, you know, just a couple of standalone games here. So a lot of ways to attack this one. and, And I totally agree that Green Bay is the side here. What about the AFC championship game? We got Kansas city, a three point favorite now with some extra juice. We're starting to see some of that Kansas city money come in with the positive practice reports for Patrick Mahomes and all of that as they take on the Buffalo bills and the totals come back up a little bit as well. Sitting now pretty much 54 market wide for this one. Brad, what are you thinking about this game?
1: Obviously major concern, the health status of Mahomes. And uh, again, I'm not so concerned with the, you know, the concussion protocol. You know, that's not, you know, a, a take in that, that isn't a serious issue. It's just for this game, I'm more interested in the injury suffered earlier in the game against Cleveland, that being, you know, his foot injury, specifically his toe, because, you know, obviously, Mahomes factors much more in the run game and playoffs when it's win or go home than he does in a typical game in the regular season. So that's a major concern. I mean, that prevents me from having a, a really big bet on Kansas City. But I, I still bet Kansas City here, and I still like them. And, and to me, uh, I, the num- why is the number three? I, and it's clear why the number is only three. It's because you couldn't get any further apart if you look at you know these two teams as far as how they've done against expectation, expectation being you know against the spread. And with Buffalo covering nine of their last 10, and Kansas City hasn't been covered a point spread cleanly since November 1st. But with that being said, Kansas city in those games, you know, there was one time they were laying three and that's their one push in that stretch. That was on the road against the saints, Uh, a saints team. I think is really good. And speaking of good, how does Kansas city do against good teams? Because I I think almost anyone can say the chiefs have kind of looked disinterested this year. They haven't looked max motivated. They haven't looked like a team that they can put it all together for 60 minutes on a consistent basis. But when they have had to step up and play good teams, they have won all six games against winning teams this year, winning to you know nine and seven or better, uh, and plus the, the playoff game yesterday. And they have dominated those games in the box score, not always uh, on the on the final score, but in the box score. I mean, it's incredible. Outgained Baltimore on the road by two hundred eighty nine yards. Outgained Buffalo in the earlier meeting by two hundred sixty yards. And then, well, obviously, we'll talk more about that. 126 yard advantage against Tampa Bay on the road plus 81 against Miami plus 126 at New Orleans plus th- 130 last week against Cleveland and five of those games are on the road I, I just think even if Mahomes is 80% I-, I mean if Kansas City's dialed in and I think they will be for this one I, I just uh, they should be laying more than three <laughs> I mean uh, really I mean Mahomes is a hundred percent I would I, w- I- I'll tell you before Mahomes is going down when I'm watching the first 20, 25 minutes uh, of the Cleveland game last week. And I'm thinking, you know, what's the line going to be for the Buffalo game. And I'm thinking, man, I sure hope it comes four 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 and a half. Cause I'm going to lay with Kansas city. I, I think if they, if they put their mind to it, I mean, this is a, to me, this is the best team. I mean, at least obviously the most impressive unit is the Kansas city offense. And we know offense in today's day and age in football just wins out. So, uh, I I was thinking, I was hoping it was going to be four, four and a half if Mahomes is healthy. And I was planning on laying it even at that number.
0: Yeah. And and this was four, you know, over the course of that chiefs Browns game with the kind of look ahead numbers and and all that. And then of course, Mahomes gets hurt and they're, you know, frantically pulling down the line and and understandably. So when you look at Kansas city here, I mean, they were a home dog to Minnesota uh, in 2019 week nine, Mahomes didn't play that game. I think that was Matt Moore that wound up yep. starting that game for them. And the other one where they were only a three-point favorite, the AFC Championship game a couple years ago against the New England Patriots, they did lose that game 37-31, to 31, only a three-point favorite there in that one. So I mean, we're talking about a situation here where you don't get this kind of price on Kansas City. I mean, you just don't. You know, you Not at don't get it at home. So, and I understand, you know, watered down home field advantage and, and this and that. I do think that the crowd did play a factor in last week's game for Kansas city. And I talked about this earlier in the week, but it's a good time to do it now here as well. The Browns, and I understand the Browns are in a spot that they're not accustomed to, you know, they've got a first year head coach, a third year quarterback that was in, you know, the biggest game of, of his lifetime, but they had issues getting the plays in early in that game. They had clear communication issues, burned a timeout early in the first half Probably could have gotten a delay a game or two. You know, the the play clock had gotten down to zero. The referees just hadn't thrown the flag yet. They were having issues getting those plays in. They were having issues getting lined up, getting all that pre-snap motion, giving Baker a chance to actually look at what the Kansas City defense was doing because he was busy watching his motion men, making sure they weren't going to get an illegal formation penalty or something like that. It hurt them in the first, really first quarter and a half of that game. Then they kind of settled down. They kind of found their way, but that was something I feel like did have an impact early on in that game for Cleveland. I'm not saying it will for Buffalo. I don't know if that's the case, but it was a different kind of atmosphere that the Browns really weren't accustomed to. And it kind of showed early in the game. And really the only reason it was a game going into halftime was because the Chiefs left points on the field and let Cleveland hang
1: around. Certainly. I mean, Cleveland guys are going to say, Oh, they fumbled at the one. I'll give you that. I, I mean, but also, I mean, Kansas City missed an extra point, missed a field goal. Mahomes got hurt. I mean, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, even if you add the touchdown that Cleveland missed right before the half, uh, I mean, I, I still think Kansas City covers that game. I love that you bring up the crowd because uh, this is another thing that, that nobody's talking about. Kansas City's pretty much had, what, fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 at their games all year. I'm looking at Buffalo's schedule. Have they played on the road in front of that many fans this year? And I know oh, you're scoffing. I mean, these are professionals. They, I mean, they certainly can handle 15 or 20, but I mean, when you've been accustomed all year to playing in front of nobody, I mean, they just finally got some, you know, five, 6,000 fans at home for the last two games. They didn't have any fans at home uh, for, for, for the first eight home games of the season. I, the only one, I can't remember the Denver game because there's some college games going on that, 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 that Saturday that I didn't necessarily pay attention to that one. That's the only one I can think of that there was, you know, significant crowd possibly. And by significant, I mean like 15,000 that Buffalo's played in front of, at least as far as an opponent this year. So, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little bit of a shock. And can I would argue if I'm stack ranking at least home environments that I've seen all year in the NFL, Kansas City's one. I mean, you can still hear the, the chop there going on as far as at Arrowhead. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I'm not sure that's necessarily getting appropriately priced in the marketplace.
0: And again, you know, I mean, I don't know if it has an impact in this game or not, but I feel like it did for Cleveland. And you know, that's the thing. You know, we, we talked about this a lot last week with regards to the Browns-Chiefs game that, you know, you have to outscore Kansas City. I mean, th- this is a lot like going up against Alabama in the sense that, you're not holding them usually to, you know, 21 points. You're just not going to do it. You've got to score with them. You have to match them score for score, hope you get a turnover or a red zone stop or something like that. And if the Browns, you know, would have had more success offensively in the first half, that's a different game. Maybe Buffalo starts faster. Maybe they're just better equipped, you know, for that kind of start. I don't know, but I do think it's, it's really interesting to sort of look at everything that goes into this game, where, as you said, Buffalo is a team that has exceeded expectation a lot and I give them full marks. I think they're an excellent football team, but I think here you're stepping up against the big boys, a team that, you know, you don't get this minus three price with often Mahomes should be fine. And even if he's not, you think about the coaches around the NFL that could game plan around a quarterback injury of some sort, Andy Reid's at the top of that list. So he'll figure something out to give his quarterback the best chance to win. I think it's chalk this weekend on Sunday. I, I think it's both Green Bay and Kansas City.
1: And I'll tell you now that Andy's one finally won a title. I just he's a little bit more loosened up, and I think obviously the the, the play call, you know, <laughs> throwing it with Chad any on fourth down, uh, you know, kind of showed that uh, that you know, obviously Andy de- dealt with a lot of clock management issues and whatnot, and, and you know, may- maybe some questionable play calling there. But now that he's finally won a championship, I just I mean, I just, I, I don't see it. Because one other thing I want to bring up is I'm hearing a lot of people, oh, Buffalo clearly played much better than Kansas City down the stretch. And, you know, especially since they lost to Kansas City in the first game. And I looked at it, okay, Buffalo went 11-1 and one down the stretch since the Kansas City loss, the only loss being, again you know, the Hail Mary against Arizona. And then I looked at the Kansas City side, I'm like, well, how have they done? Oh, ten and one, and the only loss was when they rested everybody in week seventeen against the Chargers. And people are going to say, "Well, well, you know, that's where the spread comes in." Well, you know, does the spread necessarily come in when you're only laying three? Uh, I, I mean, you know, Kansas City's won a majority of their games by three or more. It's not like they're laying six and a half, seven here like they've been most of the season. So th- that's why I looked at the straight up a little bit. So yeah, I you know, again, call me square, and, and I even reached out to a couple of NFL guys I really respect. That, that have been having better seasons than me. And, and you know, typically I'm not, you know, big on, on laying points in the NFL. I'm just not, but, but, you know, I, I even reached out cause I thought I was being square this week, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it both games.
0: And, and of course it is worth mentioning. I mean, in the first one, Buffalo had an injured Josh Allen. They didn't have Matt Milano who Milano, I, I think, and I've talked about this before. I know people say linebackers aren't worth anything to the spread or anything like that. I think, love Matt Milano, that Matt Milano. I think Matt Milano is worth a point to the spread. You know, he's a great run-stopping linebacker. He's one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. Does he slow down Travis Kelsey at all? I have no idea, but at least the chance, the hope is there yeah. that he can since he's actually healthy and in this game. But, you know, still, I mean, I it, it was a domination in the first game. I know it was a weird spot for Buffalo and Allen was hurt and all of that. But, you know, also, too, we've spent – All kinds of time this season, talking about Kansas City not doing that, not performing up to expectation, winning box scores, but not covering spreads. So it's only fair that when they do do it, when there was a data point when they did it, I think we have to give that the proper credit,
1: too. Absolutely. And I see it. Obviously, Buffalo is a much improved team since that game. But, again, that's factored in. Kansas City was laying five and a half on the road, now they're laying three at home. So, again, that's more than the factored into the point spread. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure they're going to be better equipped. But (laughs) I I would argue that nine-point final that Kansas City won by probably should have been, uh, in typical Kansas City fashion, probably should have been more the fact that they outgained Buffalo by 260 yards and put up 250 rushing yards on them.
0: All right, so we take a look here in terms of some look ahead numbers for Super Bowl 55 and of course, if Tampa Bay wins, they will be at home for the Super yeah. Bowl, the first team in NFL history to be playing in their home stadium. The 49ers and the Rams played close to home, but didn't actually play at home. This would be at home for Tampa Bay at uh, I think I think it's still Raymond James Stadium down there yep. on the Gulf Coast of Florida. So, if we get chalk, if we get Packers and Chiefs, I'm seeing Chiefs minus two, total 55 and a half. If we get Bucks, Chiefs, Chiefs minus three, total 55 and a half. If the Chiefs do win, anything sound off about those numbers to you?
1: No, they sound about right. Uh, yeah, two, two seems, yeah, I no, the, those seem pretty good to me. Uh, the, nothing that I would run to the, the window and bet. Uh, you know, I would look just because. Uh, I mean, if Tampa Bay wins and, and then they're finally playing at home, you know, I I would you know, I would want three and a half, which is what the spread was when Kansas City was at Tampa Bay earlier this season and obviously Kansas city one by three. So, and that, that would be the only thing that, that I could think uh, I'd probably lean Kansas city minus two over green Bay, especially if Mahomes is close to a hundred percent. But that's even tough for me. Uh, but three and a half is what I'd want to take with Tampa Bay. That, that'd that be it.
0: And if we look at green Bay Buffalo, we got green Bay minus two, maybe minus two and a half there. Total oh, that's 60, the bet. And a half.
1: That, that, that's the bet for me. I'd I'd
0: lay it with green Bay. Are you kidding me? And then if we get the two dogs here, bucks and bills seeing that one as a pick them out there in the marketplace, 54 and a half, the total Tampa.
1: Bet. So I, you know, what, what I'm seeing there is, you know, the, the mispricing with me and at least my perception is on the Buffalo side. Cause I, I, at those two numbers right there, I would really want to take green Bay and Tampa Bay.
0: I mean, I guess, you know, we, we would have to give Buffalo a lot of credit for beating hell.
1: Tampa. Yeah. But again, yeah, I that that's a good point. Again, but how do they win? Is it because, is Mahomes 100% and they beat a 100% Mahomes, or is he gimpy out there and he's not the same and that's why they won? So I, I wouldn't give him as much credit in that regard. I will say this. No matter the matchup that we get, again,
0: I mean, we're talking about the biggest number being maybe three or three and a half Kansas yep. City against Tampa Bay. We're talking about totals in the mid-50s where – you know, you're going to have a very good offense, no matter what the outcomes are in the conference championship round. Here, you're going to wind up with a very, very good set of quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, no matter what the outcome is yep. this weekend. So, should be a lot of fun. You know, in that regard, I mean, you know, from a player prop standpoint, yep. from a competitive game standpoint, uh, you know, bummer that a lot of people probably won't be getting together for Super Bowl parties and all of that. But uh, <laughs> you know, should be a lot of betting opportunities to say the least.
1: They say you won't, but I'm yeah. sure. And one thing I want to note is, obviously, if if you don't believe it's all offense now in in football, I looked at the DVOA numbers, just regular season, and Tampa Bay's three, Green Bay's one, Buffalo's five, Kansas City's two, so four of the top five offenses uh, are left, so each offense left is top five that shows you something then you look at the defensive rankings 5 17 12 22 i mean you know above average at best defense so a it's an offensive game and we, no matter who it is in the super bowl it, it should be an interesting matchup i'm guessing that you know they want kansas city and not buffalo but that's nothing against bill's fans who are having a great season i'm glad to see that but uh uh, as far as the tv networks i i think they want kansas city and then it wouldn't matter on the other side
0: yeah you know i mean I, I think that you know brady being back in the super bowl is something that would probably resonate a lot more it would also be really interesting to see buffalo get there and see because unless you're you know a, a buccaneers fan or a packers fan you probably find yourself rooting for buffalo even if you've got oh, a yeah. bet on the nfc side I mean, you know, again, that's a team that lost four straight Super Bowls. They, you know, have played second fiddle to New England for the longest time. I mean, people are going to root for Buffalo. They're going to want that underdog story. And, and I think no matter what matchup you get, it's going to make for compelling TV. So it should be a whole lot of fun, uh, you know, regardless of what we wind up getting. And, you know, look, I mean, we got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the NFC championship game. One that's probably on that trajectory in Mahomes. And then, you know, Allen, I
1: mean, no, he's—he's oh, he's on his way to being one of the top five, six quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, what what more could you ask for? I guess you know. Especially I mean, that's what I—I I think it's you know good coaching for the most part too i mean bruce arians i mean but then again you got a coach on the field and tom brady but i think it's uh, you know some good coaching matchups yeah i mean obviously i'd throw the saints in there but other than that i mean these are your best teams and i to me i mean i know people love that the underdog stories and all that i want to see the best teams go at it and i mean for pete's sake i mean the combined record of buffalo and kansas city's 30 and five i mean it doesn't get any better than that as far as an afc matchup so uh yeah i mean it's it's for the five best teams in the NFL that, you know, left uh, and playing and in a COVID season where we didn't even know we were going to play. I'm excited that, 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 you know, we're finishing up and kudos to the NFL. You know, there, there were some issues there with, with scheduling and, and games, whatnot in the middle part, but uh, every game has been played so far. Absolutely. And uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl 55 line next week. Talk about kind of
0: organizing some of our prop betting thoughts. And then on the following week's show, we will talk about a lot of props because we should have most of those posted by that point in time. We'll finish up today's show though, Brad, by talking some college basketball. And one of the primary talking points that we discussed on Wednesday's show was conference specialization. You know, whether this isn't your day job. And of course for both of us, it is, but for a lot of our listeners out there betting handicapping, not your day job. A lot of people probably have kids, you know, a significant other that needs some attention, it's very hard to try and go through, Was it, 355 teams or whatever here in Division One this year. You know, the Ivy League not playing, a couple of other teams not playing. But really, you know, we've got 335 some odd teams you have to handicap, or you can focus on a specialization, kind of narrow down a little bit, and just look at some conferences specifically. You do college football until the bitter end. You obviously do a lot with NFL as well. What's, what are you doing to get, you know, into this college basketball mindset?
1: Uh, Great question. Trying to, you know, feel, feel it out a little bit. I mean, obviously it's unique. I mean, a lot of conferences, I mean, several are are doing these back to back. So I'm trying to get a good feel for that. If there's any significant value, you know, playing favorites off a straight up loss in the first game, the second round, that does that really matter? Uh, That's been something I've been kind of grasping around. You know, I've been looking at at experience, Uh, even though we're halfway through the season. How much does that matter? It's clearly the inexperience. If you want to, you know, find a context clue on why Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke are not ranked for the first time, all three of them, since 1961, again, inexperience. Not having these practices in a COVID season have significantly hindered them. But, But is this the time of the year where maybe those teams, like we normally see, I just start to turn it on. I mean, the, the freshmen start getting in the lineup more. It's just a variety of things. Trying, I, I guess overall, try, trying to get a feel for it a little bit this year. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up. If I could make any suggestion as far as how to win in this industry, uh, it, you know, if you're just looking to be serious, I would say pick a couple conferences, preferably small conferences in college basketball, and preferably ones that aren't playing the same night Uh, where you can have some action on on majority of the nights, but just pick a few small conferences in college basketball and go to town on those, you know, 20 to 30 teams or or how many conferences you decide to choose. And that's the way to get after it and and not be afraid to bet the overnights and get ahead of the market a little bit. Uh, I think that's the way to go. And and you don't have to be a big better. I mean, you can get down you know 250 500 bucks and those those are max bets on the overnights especially if they're totals I mean that's all they're allowing you to bet that that shows you how scared the books are they even a book like circa who opens it up as far as the overnights this year I mean I, I was betting a couple of totals that I thought I could get ahead of the, the line big time and they were only allowing 500 and that was a big time college basketball games. We're talking sec games and not, not Southwest count, you know, SWAC games or, or whatnot. So uh, yeah, that I, I think you bring up a good point, pick a couple of small conferences, go to work there. And I think you, I, I think if you kind of have a clue of what you're doing, you can have some success.
0: Well, and I think you brought up a couple of really important points there. And, and one of them is that conference specialization does give you the best chance of getting in front of the market. You know, if you're yeah. going to try and handicap, you know, 75, 80, 90 games the night before, something like that, you're going to miss, you know, a lot of those market moves. You're not going to get the best of the number that you possibly can. You're going to get the scraps that everybody else gets the next morning or, or something like that. And it's not to say that you can't win that way, but it is to say that you certainly increase your chances of winning by getting out in front of the market, by getting the best of the number that you possibly can. If you're trying to handicap, you know, 10 different conferences on the same day, it's very hard to do that. And and we talk about closing line value, the importance of it. I know you've talked about it a lot in terms of, you know, beating those circa openers and how much success you had on the college football side, getting out in front of the market. It's the same thing in college basketball. And to some degree, even more so because of the nature of scoring being done by ones, twos and threes, you know, we're talking about line moves that, you know, maybe move a couple of possessions, in college football, you're not getting a couple possession line moves. You're getting, you know, two or three points, no. something like that, to where you still want to get the best of the number. Maybe it's not as critically as critically important in a sport like that as it could be in college basketball, simply because a lot of games fall around the number. You've got late game falling situations and, and all those types of things that, yeah, if you're specializing in a conference – you can get that line value and all you can do in this business. And we talk about this all the time on this show. The only thing you have control over is when you enter the market and the number that you get. And after that, you know, you can buy back and all those kinds of things, but then it's kind of up to the game playing out to your expectation and hoping that you win as a result.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. Get, you know, beating the market and college hoops, has to be it <laughs> has to be better than because obviously one play in, in football we just talked about it last week you know the hundred yard pick six was worth ten points I mean you could have a, an outstanding bet on, on Baltimore and you're all done in on one fl- flute play being worth so much to the game you know, college hoops, if you're getting in front of the market by a bucket or so, I mean, which is entirely possible. It's entirely doable, especially if you know, and there's a chance, if you're really good at what you're doing, you're going to know more than a lot of those opening lines about those specific smaller conferences. You just, you can be smarter than the market. And I'll just tell you this, if it wasn't for the media, if it wasn't for my first love being football and specifically college football, if it was just, you know, some guy off the street, and, and, you know, I didn't, didn't have to do media, you know, didn't care what sport to handicap. I I would tell that person, grab college basketball, pick four or five conferences and go to work. I mean, if you want to make some money, you want to be in kind of a side gig at the start and maybe turn it into a full-time gig. That would be, that's what I would do. I would, I would handicap college basketball. I think it's a beatable.
0: And another thing too, you know, with, with regards to specialization here is that, You can look at Bart Torvik, you can look at Ken Palm, you can see the projected lines well in advance of those games. And as we know, there's a significant amount of reliance in the odds-making community on Ken Palm. They're pretty much going to post either what Ken Palm has, something that falls in between Ken Palm and Torvik or something like that. You know, these sites that have tremendous influence over the market. If you specialize in a conference and you find something that's off or something that Ken Palm's not going to see, you know, or something that Torvik's not going to see because again, they're, they're running, you know, they're scraping all this data. They're covering 335 teams or whatever the hell it is. You know, you're covering 12 in a conference. You're going to pick up on some things that the numbers, that the metrics that the overall community isn't going to find. And you are going to get closing line value. If what you have deviates from what Ken Palm has or something like that, So I think that's a really significant edge over the market that a lot of people can look to exploit. And when you get your closing line value, you either take it or if it gets big enough, you can play a middle kind of play back a partial hedge, something like that. You got a lot of options there as long as you're getting good numbers.
1: And obviously Ken Palm and Bart Torvik, if you're using those, I mean, I use them. But the key is to know where the flaws and the weaknesses of those are. And I think they're outstanding. I mean, they do set the market, specifically Kempom does. But you got to know the weaknesses. And what are the weaknesses? Usually fundamental changes within teams. They're, like you mentioned, they're scra- scrapping data and all that. But if there's a fundamental change in a team, like you know they've been missing you know a key player all season, they, they get them back. Uh, that's not factored into a Kempom projection. It's just not. And that that's a major weakness. You know, I'll use an example from a couple of years ago, Duke like switched up their defenses and went to like more zone and, you know, Ken Palm didn't have that factored in. And if you just blindly bet the under in a bunch of Duke games, you hit like six or seven in a row and the market was moving after open five, six, seven points uh, at, at, at a certain time. That, that's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the weaknesses in those, I mean, they're a good starting off point, uh, especially if you're looking for for matchup specifics and you're factoring the strength of schedule d- disparities and whatnot yeah of course you use them but but if you understand the weaknesses you certainly can take advantage of it because i can tell you the, the bookies are looking at those Kempom <laughs> bomb projections and more often than not uh especially for smaller conference teams whatever that projection is side or total that, that's the number that's getting posted uh, i mean within a half point to a point on, on almost all of them i mean I see it. You see it. I mean, that, that's, that's what's going on. And sometimes there's flat out mistakes in it that, that they've just used the Kempom number and people have taken advantage of it.
0: So are, what are you doing in terms of, are you specializing in certain conferences or are you just kind of looking overall
1: for these opportunities? I think eventually I, I get to, I narrow it down to the ones that I, I feel like I good got a good handle and pulse. And let me say is that, this,
0: is that from tracking and just sort of seeing, you know, which
1: conference is the best in? I handicap as many teams as possible. So it's, I don't go heavy unit size. So, I mean, maybe I got some customers listening to this and they're like, wow, he's am really confident that it's beatable and whatnot. Let me say this, it's not necessarily beatable for me for the first month. Uh, where, you know, usually the, the my first month doing it, Uh, I I go a lot less unit size because I'm meandering and figuring my way. I mean, if I was really serious about college basketball, I would quit doing college football in, in late October and early November. And I just focus all on college basketball. I don't do that. So I am behind. So what I do in the month of January is, you know, I don't handicap every single team, but, but I do as physically possible. I handicap as many teams, try to get a pulse, And I have a really one thing that I do have and it's helped me in my life. I mean, I don't have good genes as far as the look side, but I have good genes as far as the memory side. And if I go through a team a couple of times, handicapping them, I got a good feel for that team and what they're all about. So I I do as many teams as possible in January. And then I start narrowing my focus in February. No, I think that makes a lot of sense.
0: Any games that you're looking at, you know, either tonight or Know front ends of back to backs that you may look for something tomorrow on that you can think of off the top of your head.
1: You know what? I'm really interested in this Colorado State Utah State game. I mean, Utah State to me, I have played against them a couple of times. I've come up for, and I was playing against them because I thought they had played a weak schedule, uh, the Aggies. But if you want to talk about a team that, that the market hasn't properly accounted for here, uh, you know, Utah State's covered, I think, now 10 straight games. So, uh, and what what's interesting to me, and I bet I faded that uh, on, uh, you know, a couple nights ago and, you know, another loser for, for me. And back in Colorado state, I, I just, if you're looking for context clues in the market, that, that one's really interesting to me because Utah state's covered 10 straight games. And yet I'm seeing money come in a little bit on Colorado state. It, that, that's kind of peculiar to me.
0: And I think that's really important too, is, you know, your, your awareness of the betting markets. We talk all the time about context clues on the show and sort of trying to find things within this, within the action that's taking place, within the number itself, something like that, that kind of points you in a certain direction. And, you know, not all of these markets are created equal. I wouldn't say that, you know, college football in the NFL, a lot more efficient than college basketball. You know, the NBA obviously kind of dependent on who's playing and who's not, but, You know, you can pick up on some of these things. If you've got this high level of awareness with awareness within the market and because you follow the market so religiously in other sports, I think that does help you on the college basketball side as well to the point where you'll look at the board overall and something will just kind of stand out to you. You know, for me, being a writer, being an editor and all of that, I don't know what it is. It's sort of some crazy talent or something like that. If I'm editing something, my eyes, even if I'm not looking at it, will automatically gravitate to a typo or something gets spelled wrong or something like that. I can't really explain it. It's almost like a second nature kind of thing. You probably have that with the betting market, too, where you'll just be kind of looking through, and then all of a sudden your eyes will focus in on something that doesn't look right.
1: Yeah, uh, and certainly as I get you know more involved, and it's only been like 10, 12 days as far as college basketball. Yeah, it, it certainly – and to me, I'll just say this because – You know, one thing I also do, uh, much more than I do in any other sport, uh, I handicap the handicappers. Hey, there's been college basketball-specific guys. that that, That's all I've been doing for the last three months. Uh, And, obviously, I'm behind, so I'm going to handicap the handicappers. What are they seeing that I I am not? But I will say this. Sometimes I get sent this information, these plays, and if it's a small game and I see the market going in the other way and it's one of these, you know, extra boards, added board games – I get very leery on that because, I mean, who is betting, you know, Fairly Dickinson and, and Merrimack? Uh, if you see a line move in that one and you want to fade it, you know, I tip my cap to you, you got more guts than I do. Because to me, especially early on in the process, uh, if you're looking at overnight moves, early morning moves on game day, I, I just chalk almost every single one of those big moves uh, whether it's a point and a half, two-point side or total on some of these smaller conferences. I chalk almost everyone up, Adam. That's smart move, that's smart money. Because that's who, who's betting that game? I, I mean, Joe Public isn't. No, that's an excellent point.
0: Definitely something to keep in mind here. We will continue more college basketball talk with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com as we go along here throughout the next several weeks. But Brad, what's happening over at the website right now, man?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. Obviously, my newsletter, I talk about it and I know football's wrapping up, but if you want an early bird price, price going way up out of the Super Bowl. Uh it's sixty-nine bucks. You want to take advantage of that early bird price. You're going to be covered for the AFC NFC Championship game. Although if you're listening accordingly today, you know where I'm at on those two. You got the Super Bowl. And then you got all the next season. It's college football. It's the NFL. And don't forget the offseason. I mean, I have an all-time, you know, documented by the world record on my season win totals. And these are ones that I, you know, and I, it's not ones that I bet the openers. We're talking, you know, released in August season win totals after the market has kind of cleared itself up. College football season win totals last six years, 62%. So just don't think, ah, uh, you know, it's not worth it during the offseason. I give you monthly offseason issues, whether it's NFL draft bets it's early college football bets you get covered 69 bucks it's my newsletter if you're interested in the college hoops that's daily that's 99 bucks i don't mention prices too much here but that's what the prices are go to brad com.
0: and as always make sure you follow brad on twitter at brad powers and the number seven brad always a pleasure man thank you so much for joining me i appreciate it we'll talk to you again next week sounds good man there you go. There's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowerssports.com And as I said, at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Tomorrow, I'm going to do what I call Freestyle Friday. I'm going to talk about a lot of different things. We've had some Major League Baseball news this week. I've gotten started on my 2021 MLB betting guide. Full season previews for all 30 teams. World Series, pennant, and division futures. Player things like MVP, home run king, Cy Young, all that getting started on that process so am going to talk a little bit about some of the things that i've seen so far over the course of the offseason and some of the things i'm going to look to carry over to 2021 maybe talk a little bit of nhl a little bit of nba something like that keep it to about a half hour uh just a solo show that like i said i'm calling freestyle friday here for this week that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody and i will talk to you again tomorrow